Thank you for listening to a Christ-centered message from Grace Community Church. We are committed to proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology and trust that you will receive encouragement as we study today's passage together. I think that introduction video sets the tone for how many of us feel, especially in this season, in 2020. Blessings and burdens have been all around us. I'm inviting you to go. Let's go in our Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 this morning. We have been here as a church before, but this is a, a fitting text for us. We're going to look at verses 16, 17, and 18. Uh, you, your worship guide is throughout the building. It's also available on our homepage. Um, you can ac- access that through our live stream. And this morning, we're going to be looking at always thankful. Always thankful. The, the Marines have a theme, always what? Faithful, Semper Fi. This morning, we're looking at Semper Gratis, always grateful. To be always grateful. Paul the Apostle, he was so thankful for this church, the Thessalonica church, these believers, how they turned from their idols to worship, serve, and serve the living God. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16, it says this. He says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, verse 17, and here, verse 18, give thanks in a few circumstances. Is that what it says? No. All right. Give thanks in, help me out, all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for someone else. Is that what it says? No. It's for you. Okay. Now, this morning in in this text, what we want to do is if you look at the worship guide, it's just broken out into three sections, okay? We're going to ask some questions, some introduction. Look at the text. What is, what is the text saying? Where do we see this text illustrated in the Bible and how do we apply this? So God willing, we're going to see teachers and leaders raised up in this congregation. Russ and I are continually praying for those who will be raised up who will serve alongside of us as elders in this congregation. An elder is someone who is able to teach. They're qualified. They're able to teach. How is someone able to teach? They take a text, break it apart, observation, interpretation, explanation, application. That's what we're going to do in the message this morning. And everybody's different, and there's different personalities, and there's different styles of teaching, and there's different styles of preaching. But when we come to a text, there's one meaning. So the goal of every person who's handling a text is to simply declare what has God said, what does God mean, and how do we respond? How do we obey? How do we apply it in our lives? And so as we look at this text this morning, there's a few questions that we want to ask. The first question has to do with what, okay? What? What are Christians commanded to do? Not just suggested, not just encouraged, commanded. As believers, we are commanded to be grateful. Give thanks. This is a category that distinguishes Christians from non-Christians, believers from non-believers. Romans 121, Paul says about unbelievers, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. 
And when you don't honor God, you don't give him thanks, everything spins out of control and undone. Christians are commanded to give thanks. When? When are we commanded to give thanks? Well, followers of Christ are to, com- we're to give thanks in all circumstances. Most people, and I would say even many, myself, many in the room, many listening this morning, we tend to think, you know what? After the whole pandemic is over, I will be so thankful. After all of these various things go away, after I'm completely out of debt, after my children are raised, after this, after that, then I'll be thankful. And it's just always down the line. It's always down the way. But as Christians, we're thankful in situations. Now, notice it does not say that we're thankful for the situation. We're not giving thanks for sickness that has caused and led to death for many thousands of people. We're not thankful for that, but we're able to be thankful in the midst of great trials, great sufferings. This has to do with vertical thanksgiving, that we give thanks to God. No matter what is going on, we are able to be thankful to God, but also horizontally, that we give thanks to others. I'm thankful for even this morning, the technology, it seems to be working today. We've had some trouble uh, trouble the last couple of weeks. Stephen has just worked so hard this week to get things worked out with our our internet provider and with various, um, you know, our streaming service. And after this morning's message, there were text messages that came in to me of people expressing in heartfelt ways how this sermon ministered to them. I'm thankful for that technology. I'm thankful for that ability. I'm thankful for those individuals. I'm thankful for you this morning. So I'm thankful to God, but our thankfulness is also extended to the people that are around us and the people that we see. And if we live lives in a thankful way, it's it's near impossible to be complaining and thanksgiving at the same time. You really have to choose. Are you going to go left or are you going to go right? Are we going to be thankful or are we going to be complainers and grumblers and, oh, this and, oh, the election and, oh, this and, oh, the other? It's in every situation, beloved, we're called to give thanks. So this, once again, gets into the cobwebs of our hearts. Why? That's the question I want to know. Why? Why is the church commanded to give thanks in all circumstances? This is spiritual here. Paul says, here's your answer. It's the will of God. This is the will of God. Here's your answer. Here's the explanation. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God. Can I ask you this morning, do you want to walk in the will of God? Do you want God's will for your life? We sing the song, Waymaker. I've said it. We often want God to make the way when it's our way. But what if it's not our way? What if it's his way? This is the will of God. Therefore, whatever season we are in this morning, whatever season you are in, I'm in, that's the best season for us to be in right now. That's hard to get our minds wrapped around, but it's true. To rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, to give thanks in all circumstances. These three go together. These are three. It's a trifecta of this is the will of God. 
So if you're wondering today, what is the will of God for my life? There's the end of your wondering. Rejoice, pray, give thanks. And as we do that, we will grow in grace and we'll see better and better and more clearly and clearly the hand of God, the pattern of God working in our lives by the power of his spirit. Who? Who is the focus of our thanksgiving? This is personal now. He says, it's in Christ Jesus for you. Paul wants the best for the Thessalonians. This is for you. Don't miss out on this. Here we are 2,000 years later, and I can say the very same thing. To rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Not for the person just behind you or out there that just drove by. It's for you. I want you to know the will of God for your life. So then where do we see examples of gratitude in Scripture? In our Bibles, where do we see is thanksgiving, is thankfulness and gratitude kind of a subplot of Scripture? Like, you really got to dig to find it. You know, somewhere in the Bible, I'm sure it says something about thanksgiving. I, I bet it's in there somewhere. Well, I want you to just kind of sit back. And on the screen is going to come the Scriptures. And I want you to hear from the Old Testament to the New Testament the theme of thankfulness. David prioritized gratitude in the corporate worship of Israel, 1 Chronicles 16.4. Then he appointed some of the Levites as ministers before the ark of the Lord to invoke, to thank, and to praise the Lord, the God of Israel. 16 verse 8, David cries out, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Verse 34, oh, give thanks to the Lord. Why? For he is good. For his steadfast love endures, how long? Forever. From the Psalms in Psalm 7 and verse 17, I will give thanks to the Lord. I will give to the Lord the thanks due to his righteousness. And I will sing praise to the name of the Lord, the Most High. 9-1, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. Psalm 30, verse 4. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. Verse 12, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you. How long? Forever. 35, 18, I will thank you in the great congregation. In the mighty throng, I will praise you. 44, 8, in God we have boasted continually and we will do what? Give thanks to your name. How long? Forever. Forever. Selah, stop and think about that. Psalm 54, 6, with a free will offering I will sacrifice to you. I will give thanks to your name, O Lord. Why? For it is good. 56, 12, I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you. 57.9, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. Do you hear the joy? Like, I don't care who, I want people to hear me giving thanks to the Lord. He says in 75 and verse 1, I, we, we give thanks. Now it's corporate to you, O God. We give thanks. 
for your name is near. We recount your wondrous deeds. 79, 13, but we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will give thanks to you forever. From generation to generation, we will recount your praise. Does that characterize your life? I pray that it does. 86, 12, I give thanks to you, O Lord, my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. 92, 1. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High. 97.12, rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, and give thanks to his holy name. 100 verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. 107.1, O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. 107.8, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. 109.30, with my mouth I will give great thanks to the Lord. I will praise him in the midst of the throng. 111.1, praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. 118.1, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. 118.21, I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. Verse 28, you are my God and I will give thanks to you. You are my God and I will extol you. 136.1, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. 36.2, give thanks to the God of gods for his steadfast love endures forever. Next verse, give thanks to the Lord of Lords for his steadfast love endures forever. 26 in the same chapter, give thanks to the God of heaven for his steadfast love endures forever. Do you see the ascent that just took place in that? 138 verse one, I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before thy gods, I sing your praise. I I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness for you have exalted above all things, say it with me, your name and your word. 140 verse 13, surely the righteous shall give thanks to your name. (laughs) Duh. Like the righteous are gonna give thanks to your name. The upright shall dwell in your presence, 142.7. Bring me out of prison that I may give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me, for you will deal bountifully with me. 145.10. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. From the life of Christ, we see thankfulness three places in the Gospel of Matthew, 11.25. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Can we all say amen to that? Wait till you have 17 doctorates and then maybe you're, uh uh-uh. He comes to the people who lack some understanding, children who simply will trust in him. Matthew 15, 36, he took the seven loaves and fish and having give thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And at the Lord's table, the last supper of Matthew 26, 27, and he took a cup 
And when he had given what? Thanks. He gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you. Paul the apostle was characterized by thankfulness. He knew what he deserved. He knew what kind of a man he was persecuting the church. He writes to the church at Rome, Romans 1.8. He says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world, Romans 6, 17. But thanks be to God. This is like a crescendo. This is like, this is an ovation. This is, he can't get any higher in praise that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of the teaching to which you were committed. It's the gospel, Romans 16, 4. He's thankful for the, for the people in the Roman church who risked their necks for my life to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentile, the Gentiles give thanks as well. He's thankful. 1 Corinthians 1, 4. Now think about this. We've studied Corinthians. The, ch the church at Corinth was messed up. At the Lord's table, shall I praise you? I shall not praise you. Paul, what are you thankful for about the church at Corinth? Well, I'm thankful for the grace of God that was given to them in Jesus. I'm really struggling to enjoy them right now, but I'm thankful that they received the grace of God. And he gave thanks to God always for that. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, just fast forward through all that letter of sexual immorality and dysfunction and each other suing each other and divided in the church. And like, I like this, path. I like that guy. I like the other, Cephas, Paul, Apollos, Jesus, all these, you know, all this going on. And he goes straight to the the chapter on resurrection, 1 Corinthians 15, 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Thanks be to God. 2 Corinthians 8, 16, but thanks be to God who put it into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you. Can I just tell you something? What, what God has done in eldership in this church and what God has given into the heart of Russ is the same care and love for this congregation that he's given to me. I can identify with that thanksgiving and that thankfulness. That's absolute affirmation. Paul is doing that. It's right. It's fitting. It's righteous. It's encouraging. 2 Corinthians 9, 15. Thanks be to God for Jesus. How do you describe Jesus? You can't. It's his indescribable gift. Ephesians 1, 16 to the church, he says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering, in you, remembering you in my prayers. Ephesians 5.20, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And to the Philippians 1 and verse 3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. He's writing from prison. He's like, oh, those Philippians, man, that was amazing how they responded to the gospel. I'm so thankful for them. Love those people. I gotta write them a letter. Colossians 1.3, we always thank God. Now Paul's with people. He's in a group. Eh, you know, we're thinking of these Colossians. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Hey, when we gather and we pray, that's what we're doing. We gather and we pray and we remember the people that God has entrusted to us. Colossians 3.15, get in on this. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be, what's the command? thankful. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with, now I hear Harrison Banda in my head, with thanksgiving in our hearts. 
the way you say that. It's a bad, that's a bad impersonation of Harrison. But when he ends every prayer with thanksgiving in our hearts, I have to go back to Africa so I can refresh on my, on my dialect there, all right? To God, thanksgiving in our hearts. That's where his closing of prayers come from, right there. Colossians 3.17, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. 1 Thessalonians 1.2, we give thanks to God always for you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers. 2.13, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you, believers. I'm so thankful for that. I'm looking at people, and I know there are people joining online, the very same. You heard the message, and you didn't just say, well, Wise really came up with a, a great message this week. He must have thunked that up somewhere. No, no, no. You heard, you read, understood it to be the Word of God. It pierced, it penetrated your heart, and it has changed you, is changing you, and one day will finish the work begun in you, and you will be formed and fashioned completely into the image of Jesus. Christ. Amen and amen and amen. Um, um, are we at a golf? We're in a golf clap this morning, right? I don't know. All right, we give thanks. Then he says this. He says in 2 Thessalonians 1, 3, we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as it is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is, and hold here, increasing what happens when we grow in grace, when we, grow, when we grow in information and we learn more about God? Beloved, if it doesn't manifest in us loving our church family and loving our physical family and loving our neighbors, then what is the point of it? If it's just to have more information and more education, it's missing the point. It's for our transformation. That's what we've been seeing through the Psalms of Ascent and through the Sermon on the Mount. It's a message for a purpose, changing us, making us more loving and more of a blessing. And notice how he said repeatedly in, in these verses, I'm thankful for all of you, not just the, the easy ones to get along with. I don't know if you know this or not, but in a church membership, there are some difficult people every now and then. And Paul says, and I say as a pastor, I'm thankful for every single one. Because we're changed and we're shaped. We're fashioned into the image of Christ through our interpersonal relationships and community. Paul writes to Timothy, 1 Timothy 1.12, I thank him who has given me strength. Christ Jesus, our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to, this, to his service. And then in the second letter, what they say is Paul's swan song. His days are closing. His ministry is coming to an end. Chapter 1, verse 3, he says, I thank God in whom I serve, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience. And now he makes it personal. When he thinks about Timothy and he says, as I remember you constantly, my prayers day and night. And he's thinking about Timothy and he's thinking about the gospel is in good hands. This is a young man who gets it. This is a young man who loves God, loves people, loves the word. And Timothy, I'm just thankful for you. I just remember you constantly in my prayers. And then Paul writes this letter to Philemon. And he's sending back a letter 
in the, sla- in the, in the slave's hands, Onesimus. And he says, Onesimus, you got to do the right thing. And I'm sending a letter to my brother, Philemon, my brother in Christ. Take this to him. And Paul thinks about Philemon and knows the challenge that is standing in front of him to demonstrate grace and forgiveness and mercy. And he writes in verse four, I thank my God always when I remember you, Philemon, in my prayers. I'm thankful for you and I'm encouraged by you. Thankfulness is not an obscure theme in the Bible. It's everywhere. Now, how are we going to grow in, thank- in thankfulness? Not thankfulness. I'm not sure what thankfulness is, but you might remember that word. Thankfulness. How are we going to grow in thankfulness? There's four ways by application, okay? Number one, how can the followers of Christ live in unceasing gratitude? Okay, can anybody raise their hand? That's me. Unceasing gratitude right here. Look in the dictionary, unceasing gratitude, my mug's probably right there. No, none of us. But I want to be always grateful, always thankful. So it's by the grace of God. It's not by, I'm just gonna pull myself up by the bootstraps and I'm just gonna get her done. Not gonna happen that way. It's by the grace of God. But first of all, I need to feed my soul on God's word. I must feed my soul on God's word, and so must you. If we're going to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances, beloved, it's going to require more than natural food. It requires supernatural nutrition because we all face temptation. Jesus faced temptation. Matthew 4, 4, replying, responding, to Satan's temptation, but he answered, Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So beloved, we don't know what the future holds, but we have a commitment to the eternal word of God. It is our plan, but we cannot make all of our plans happen. It is our prayerful desire that we actually take Jesus at his word and we believe that the word that I am proclaiming today that you hold in your hands that we are under the sound of right now is more important than what you and I can pick up from Kroger or a drive-through. So I understand we're in a time of uncertainty and I understand that there's risk and we have many in our congregation that are dealing with adverse effects and we don't know what the future holds. And like I said, I can't make it certain and put it all on my back, but it is our prayerful intention that we remain a place to come and hear and be under the word of God in community because Jesus' word will be true a million times a billion years from now. Listen, if you don't eat from Kroger or a drive-thru or somewhere, a restaurant, you're not gonna make it. And Jesus is saying, if you don't partake of the eternal word of God, you won't make it eternally. You've got to have this word, this message. We give and receive this word. It's personal. There's a personal intake that you have. I trust that you have. If you're going to feed your soul on God's word, 
you know, I don't think anybody's going to have lunch this afternoon and somebody, you know, is going to take a fork and scoop your plate and do the whole, mm, open wide now, mm, you know, trying to get the mouth to open. I don't think that's going to happen with too many people that, that I'm looking at or maybe watching. Depends on the age. If there's infants, you, that's how you, you got to kind of trick them into eating. This is something that when you grow up, you're like, I'll do it myself. Can I have the fork? I, I think I'm going to go ahead and figure out how to handle the, the fork and the knife and, 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 and get it all worked out because I want to feed myself. Oh, I want you to be feeding yourselves on the word of God in a daily way. And then we come together corporately. We're under the teaching of the word. Paul wrote it to Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, 2. He says, Timothy, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. This is not a byline of our church. It's not a sub-theme. This is the main thing that we do, beloved. Preach the word. And we receive the word, whether it's in person or whether it's online, due to various limitations. And there are legitimate limitations right now. Feed my soul on the word of God. Secondly, focus my heart on the will of God. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus. So we have to focus our heart on God's will. That's what I need to do. God's will is always what is best for us. It's been said this way, if we knew all that God knows, then we would choose for us all that God chooses. Fact is, I don't know all that God knows. God used throughout Scripture the wilderness to shape his servants. But I find myself often saying, but I want to skip the wilderness. I don't like the hard times. I don't like the trials. It's been really difficult to figure out 2020. It's been super hard in various ways. But we're in the right season for a reason. Just think about throughout Scripture. Think about the individuals that were put into times of wilderness testing and trial. Abraham, get up from your father's house and go wander. I'll show you where you're going. And he never inherited it in this lifetime. But Abraham, Hebrews 11 says, by faith. By faith. Think about Moses. Moses brought up in Egypt in Pharaoh's house. And then he's taken out into the, you know, tried to deliver the people his way. He's put into the shepherd school for 40 years in the wilderness. And the Lord hears the cries of his people and sends him back. That's great. I'm finally back in civilization. Wait till you see what the Lord did with that civilization by the end of the 10 plagues. And they're back out where again? Wilderness. How many years? Another 40 God used the wilderness in Moses' life. David, two different times, on the run from Saul, trying to kill him. He's out in the wilderness. On the run from his son Absalom, stole the kingdom. But think about the Psalms that come from David's times of testing and trial. But I, Lord, that's good for them, but not for me. Can I just have red carpet and smooth? Can you just flatten it all out so I can walk real easy through this life? Think about Elijah. 
that great victory over the prophets of Baal. I mean, he's sarcastic. He's bombastic. He's just preaching out, your God's on vacation. Your God's probably asleep. Maybe your God's in the bathroom. (laughs) And he has this mighty victory and fire falls from heaven and cleans everything gone, dry, gone, rocks, nothing left. And then Queen Jezebel, so help me by the power of the gods, small g, I'm going to do to you and I'm going to kill you. And he's like running where? To the wilderness. And what does the Lord do? He shows up and he feeds him and he says, by an angel, go ahead and sleep. You need some rest. And he wakes him up again and he feeds him again by the hand of the angel and says, go ahead and rest. And he strengthens him and 40 days in the wilderness he goes on the supply that the Lord gives him. Was that useful in Elijah's life and ministry? But Lord, for me now, can I skip the wilderness? John the Baptist comes on the scene. Where's his ministry? out there in the wilderness. What a crazy looking character he was. You want to share lunch with him? You're going to eat all those locusts? Yeah, dip them in honey. They're amazing. They're crispy. They're crunchy. It's great. What is he saying? Repent. Prepare the way of the Lord. Was that ministry valuable? Yeah. What about Jesus? He's baptized. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The spirit descends. And this is amazing. Where does he get sent? Mark says, driven by the spirit into the wilderness for testing. But for me, Lord, can I just have the easy path? Where's that easy button? Can I just have that right here all the time? And I can hit that at any moment. And last but not least, let's think about the Apostle Paul. That as he became a follower of Christ, he didn't go up to Jerusalem. He writes later, he says, I was out in the wilderness of Arabia and the Lord met with, met with me there. And the Lord gave me firsthand and I witness apostle exactly what I need to deliver to you. I have to prioritize God's will for my life over and above my will for my life. Anybody with me on that? I like my will for my life. My problem is I can't organize my sock drawer. We figured that out this week. My wife did, but I can't. But I want to call the shots on everything. How arrogant is this? I need to rest in God, that he is in control. And what is Romans 8.28? Paul, he writes this, He says, and we guess, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for what, beloved? Good. For those who are called according to his purpose. He is working all things together for good. We can trust him. So, beloved, thirdly, I need to find my rest in God's ways. Feed my soul on his word. Focus my heart on his will. And find my rest in his ways. This is what I want to know. I want to know, how can I be at peace in the middle of the storms of life? I wonder if you want to know that. How can I have peace when everything is going crazy? 
Well, here's what it comes down to. I have to resolve in my heart, in my mind, in my life, in my priorities, that God is God and I am not. And you can be thankful for that and so can I. Isaiah revealed the disparity between God's thoughts, God's ways, and our thoughts and our ways. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, the Lord through his servant says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God is God. I am not, but beloved, God is my refuge. He is my strength. So here's what it comes down to as his people. Lord, help me to run to you for my refuge and strength. And not just, not just personally for me, but Lord, help me to bring others to you. Help me to encourage others to find their refuge and strength in you. Psalm 119, verse 114 you are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. This is the verse that Corey Tim Boom clung to in that Nazi prison camp where her sister died, her father died, others that she knew died all around her and she was set free and writes that book, the Hiding Place, that in the middle of the worst environment, her hiding place was in the Lord and she could hope in his word. And it brings us to number four. How do we apply this? How do we respond? That we forge our hands in God's work. This is my prayer. God, help me to forge my hand in your work. And if this is gonna happen, then I need to live in Christ-like surrender. That the greatest of all became the servant of all. And oh, I wanna follow in his steps. I wanna follow in his footsteps. I use this word intentionally, forge. You think of forge, you think of fire, you think of trials, you think of a wilderness, but it's for a purpose. There's a reason. And when people are tested and when people are tried and they go through the fire and then they realize, but it's for a reason and it's not just for me, it's for God to use me in a greater way, a more effective way for his glory and for his kingdom. And that is a Christ-like surrender. And that results in a humble service. So let me ask you the question, how is God using you right now? In the lives of the people around you, in the ministry of the body of Christ, the local church, how is God using your hand in this work? Because when your hand is forged to the work, then you're fixed to the plow and you're not constantly saying, well, maybe we should, maybe we shouldn't, maybe we should, maybe we shouldn't. Oh, what's over there? What are they doing over there? You're fixed and your eyes are fixed on Jesus and your hands are faithful because it's been forged to the work that God puts in your hand because you've been through the wilderness and you know he is faithful and he's doing something in you. We're not thankful for every situation but we're thankful in every situation. This is vertical. I'm thankful to God. I'm thankful to God right now this morning. We went down a couple in our numbers of those who served behind the scenes over this weekend. I'm thankful for those who said, I'll serve. I'm trusting him for others who will say, how do you need me to serve? I'll serve. I'll put my hand that's been forged to the work. I'll serve. First Peter 4.10 
Peter says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Can I invite you to think right now, who is it that I need to text today, send a message to? Maybe put a card in the mail, maybe a phone call, maybe a FaceTime, and just simply reach out to them and say, I'm thankful to God for you. Why? And maybe before you do, you simply pause and say, God, I thank you for who you are, for what you've done, that you're faithful and you're true. And I'm thankful for the people that you've placed in my life, the easy ones to get along with and the difficult ones because it's all for a purpose. And your hand is at work. Oh God, help us to feed our souls on his word, to focus our hearts on his will, to find our rest in his ways and forge our hand in his work. And I wanna close. I wanna close with this illustration and I've shared it before, usually at Thanksgiving over the years. Martin Rinkhart, he was a pastor at Eilenburg, Saxony. During the Thirty Years' War, right, that went from 1618 to 1648, Eilenburg was a walled city. There's threats from all around, enemy attacks. So where does everyone go when trouble comes? Into the city. Well, what does that happen? They shut the doors, they, wall, they, they, they seal up the city. Now you run out of food, enter in the famine and disease and plague. Now everybody's trapped in the city. There's no social distancing, there's no space, there's no place to go. Pastors died or they quit and left and they got out because it was too hard. That's gonna ask too much. But not Martin Rinkhart. He stayed. He served. He was the only pastor in the city. When an enemy came, a general was there, a general, a Swedish general put a tax on him and he bowed down before the person. He begged, he pleaded on behalf of the city saying, we can't pay it, we don't have it. And the man wasn't budging. And this is what he said. He said, come my children, we can find no mercy with man. Let us take refuge with God. He knelt, he prayed and God changed that general's heart and he changed the amount. But his him that is number two on the playlist in Germany of hymns coming in right behind only a mighty fortress is our God, is now thank we all our God. And he doesn't talk about the victory celebration when God turned the tide of the general and how he used me to do a mighty thing. He wrote this as a table grace for his family. He was doing 40 to 50 funerals a day Think about this. I've been in ministry almost 25 years. I have done about 60 funerals. 25 years. He was doing 40 to 50 a day. One was his wife. He buried 4,000, make sure I get it right here, it's on this page, 480 people. He wouldn't leave. He wouldn't quit. So, 
So what do you say to your family at the dinner table when all hell is breaking loose all around you? This is what he's, this is what he led his family in. Now thank we all our God. heart and hands and voices who wondrous things has done in whom this world rejoices who from our mother's arms has blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love and still is ours today Oh, may this bounteous God through all our life be near us with ever joyful hearts and blessed peace to cheer us and keep us in his grace and guide us when perplexed, you think? And guard us through all ills in this world. Listen to me, children. Till the next, there's another world. All praise and thanks to God the Father now be given. The Son and Him who reigns with them in highest heaven. The one eternal God whom earth and heaven adore. For thus it was, is now, and say it with me, and shall be evermore. That is a Christian response to suffering. Humanly possible on our own? Not a chance. Only by the Spirit of God dwelling in us. Only by feeding on the right substance. Only by us fixing our gaze and our attention on the will of God and finding our rest in His ways. And then, And only then will our hand be forged at the work. And I trust that God has brought someone to your mind that today you will say, God, use me to simply share a word of thankfulness to that person. Let's stand together. Father, I thank you. Oh, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for your church and I thank you for your gospel. I thank you that you are still saving sinners, Lord. That to anyone who turns from their sin and they trust in Christ alone, you will save them completely. So God, I pray that you will take your word and you will accomplish all that you desire for your honor and for the glory of Jesus, our Savior. Lord, we love you, and I thank you for what you're doing. And I anticipate and I expect with great expectation all that is to come, knowing that you are good and all that you do is good. So teach us. Teach us your statutes, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for listening to Teaching from the Word at Grace Community Church. 
We are located in Richmond, Michigan. You can find us online at mygracechurch.com. Please subscribe and follow us at My Grace Church. It would be greatly appreciated if you would take a moment to rate, like, and share this message. We want you to always remember that you are loved.